First Samuel, we are in chapter 9. And uh, like there has been in several uh, passages in, uh, in our study so far, um, there's, there's a, a story. And uh, we'll, have to, uh, we'll just have to do some reading, so you'll have to put up with me. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to uh, slip into my radio voice. Uh, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. And the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, son of Becherath, etc. I'm going to skip a few. And he had a son, this is the important part, whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish... If you hadn't read ahead, this is a surprise. We've gone from Saul to donkeys very quickly. <laughs> now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, Take one of the young men with you and arise and go look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha, and, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shalem, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but they did not find them. So the general idea is that at a certain season, you just turn out your livestock to, so they could graze, right, for, for that season. And then uh, when you got ready for them, you'd just go find them. And they had wandered off to wherever they had wandered. And, and uh, presumably, uh, every person's uh, uh, livestock would be branded. And so they're off to look for uh, the donkeys. Verse 5, when they came to the land of Zuf. Saul said to his servant who was with him, let's go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. So they had been gone for a while. But he said to him, behold, this is the, the servant, behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor, and all that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. And Saul said, well, if we go, what can we Bring the man, for the bread in our sacks is gone, and there's no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul against him, Well, here I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver, and I'll give it to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. Little, little uh, uh, footnote, so to speak. And Saul said to the servant, Well, Come, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Self-explanatory. As they went up from the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They said, He is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Hurry. He has just now come to the city because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. Now, typically when we hear of high places, uh, those are not looked upon favorably because that's often where the pagan gods were uh, worshipped and so forth. But apparently in, in this time, uh, that's that area has been um, uh, reclaimed uh, or consecrated apparently uh, by Samuel and, and uh, it's currently in use for, for Jehovah. It says, as soon as you enter the city, you will find him because he goes up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat till he comes, since he much must bless the sacrifice. And afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. There's a lot of action there. You know, she's saying, hurry up, go find him. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, 
uh, accelerated uh, action being suggested here. Um, make a little note, a mental note or a literal note as, as you wish. This concept of as soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice, and then afterward those who are invited will eat. In a few chapters, we're going to come across a similar situation where a blessing is um, being waited for, shall we say. And uh, somebody gets impatient, and it goes downhill from there. Which is funny because they're going uphill in our story right now. <laughs> Verse 14. So they went up to the city, and as they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel... Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. Now remember when when we left our story the people had demanded a king Samuel had you know he was offended that they had rejected God and him uh the Lord consents to a king and they're all gathered around and not knowing really what happens next, the last verse of First um, Samuel 8, Samuel says, y'all go back home. Just go back home. But that's where things were. They were waiting for a king. So Samuel is waiting to hear from God. And, and the day before Saul shows up, God had spoken to him and said, Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. For I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. What does that make you think of? Moses. Remember? Moses was coming because... God had heard the cry of his people. So he sent them a, um, a rescuer, a redeemer. Verse 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, where is the house of the seer? And Samuel answered Saul, I'm the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. Had Saul asked about the donkeys? No. no. <laughs> Samuel just kind of threw that in there. Oh, by the way, in case you don't know that I'm the seer, try this. Those donkeys you're looking for? Yeah, they're good. And then he asked a question. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? In other words, Samuel is, this is the first time he's giving a clue to Saul that, um, guess what? 
there's something big coming for you. Verse 21, Saul answers, Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? So there's an honor coming, and Saul must be thinking, whoa, the, you know, not only am I from the least of the tribes, I'm from the least of the clans of the least of the tribes. Um, maybe you are mistaken. Verse 22, Then Samuel took Saul and his young man and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who had been invited, who were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion I gave you, of which I said to you, put it aside. So the cook took up the leg and what was on it and set them before Saul. And Samuel said, See what was kept is set before you. Eat, because it was kept for you until the hour appointed that you might eat with the guests. This, um, the thigh uh, of whatever animal it was, was considered um, uh, the, the, the best part. And so uh, earlier, Samuel had, uh, had this set aside and presents it to Saul as uh, now we have the second very tangible thing. Um, I want you to come to this feast. Uh, isn't it you that's going to have this blessing? And here is the choice part of the meal. Not only that, the other 30-ish or so people are now observing this, right? Why'd Saul get the thigh meat? What's up with that? Why did Samuel get... So already the people are wondering what's going on. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Verse 25, And when they came down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof, and he lay down to sleep. Then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Up, that I may send you on your way. So Saul arose, both he and Samuel went out into the street. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. So, he sends a servant on up and pulls him aside and just lays it out. Lays out the whole story. And you can imagine that um, that this is a lot, right? Uh, the day before, he was looking for donkeys. And now he's hearing, okay, you're going to lead these people and... Not only that, um, part of your job is going to be to to take over, in essence, for me as the mediator between God and the people. They're, you know, the days of the judges are passed on, right? And now there's this new thing going on. Any Star Wars fans? <laughs> there's that scene where where Yoda is just backing away and said, you know, my time has come. You know, Yoda had been the one that they would always look to for answers, of course. Samuel saying, my time is going, you're, you're the king. This is a new thing going on. But you had to think that, that Samuel was wanting to let him know that this isn't just about glory. This is about being that go-between uh, for God. Chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, 
Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over the heritage. When you depart from me today, you'll meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do with my son? Sign number one. Number two. Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. Sign number two. All right, sign number three, verse five. After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim, where there is a, this is also called Gibeah at other points in the passage, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Okay, so again, it, would your head not be spinning <laughs> by now? <laughs> um, and, and by the way, Samuel, what do you mean, be turned into another man? <laughs> what is that? Verse 7. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. And verse 9. Well, let me pause there before we go on. Um This verse 7, now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So remember, Samuel has already filled Saul's ear with what he should be doing, right? And we saw back in verse 17 of chapter 9, one of the things that God told him was, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. It is he who shall restrain my people. And just prior to that, God says, he shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Verse 5, we find out in his hometown there's a garrison of the Philistines. So God has told Samuel, one of the things that Saul is supposed to do is to clear out the Philistines. Samuel has told Saul the word of the Lord. One of the signs has him going to Gibeah, his hometown, and he points out the fact, you know there are Philistines there. 
I think we can safely assume that Samuel expected Saul to do something about the Philistines. Verse 9. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, uh, this turned his back apparently has a lot of um, a meaning to it. It's like, um, okay, we're done. Our conversation is wrapped up. It's not like I'm going to turn my back on you in a negative way like we might use it today. It was like, okay, we're done. I'm off to do this new thing. And it says, God gave him another heart. Um, we might interpret that to be kind of a salvation sort of experience. Of course, uh, he's on the other side of the cross. But whatever it means, God instilled in him a new sense of purpose. We find uh, later on that, that the Spirit of God is giving him special power. Uh, but something really significant happened at that point. And then it says, And all the signs came to pass that day. All right, we'll move quickly. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him. The Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What's come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Another like, what's up with this? <laughs> and apparently this was, uh, it, it, as you see in verse 12, it says, And a man of the place answered, And who's their father? And therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? It was like a, a slur, so to speak. It says, When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Now Saul's uncle, now we haven't heard from Saul's uncle, but here's Saul's uncle here. Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where'd you go? And he says, well, to seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And then Saul's uncle says, well, what'd Samuel say? Saul says, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but the, the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Now, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you've rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you've said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. So Samuel's bringing them all together and say, okay, you ask for a king. Now, Samuel knows how this is going to turn out, but he, I guess this is a way of making it official. They cast lots, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken. Verse 21, he brought, he said, okay, it's all narrowed down to you Benjamites. So now they come before him. A representative from the different clans. And the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. So he said, okay. Now representatives from the families of each of the clans. And Saul, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. 
But when they sought him, they couldn't find him. So they inquired again, the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he's hidden himself among the baggage. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of, um, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, when they sinned, they, they tried to hide from God. Presumably, they didn't think that through. Like, can we really hide from God? Um, Saul had not really thought this through. He's like uh, in the luggage compartment. Behold, he's hid himself among the baggage. Verse 23, Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people, from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Verse 25, Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of kingship, And he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? They despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So, Saul is selected clearly by God, presented by Samuel, um, not 100% backed, but significantly backed. You know, there's always going to be detractors. And now it's time to get to work. Almost. We'll find that he basically just goes back home and does his thing, which is, again kind of makes you wonder did he did he hear did he really hear what he was supposed to be doing anyway we'll hit chapter 11 real quickly the nahash the ammonite went up and besieged jabesh gilead and all the men of jabesh said to nahash make a treaty with us and we will serve you but nahash the ammonite said to them on this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. <laughs> they said, well, give us seven days. <laughs> but can, so we can send messengers throughout all the territory of Israel. And then if there's no one to save us, then, then we'll give yourselves up. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter to the ears of the people, and the people wept out loud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. So he's, he's king, anointed, presented, endorsed, coronated, you might say, but he's just working in the fields. A reluctant leader, you might say. But now... He's moved by this. And he says, And Saul says, What's wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words. And his anger was greatly kindled. And he took a yoke of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. 
Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. And when he mustered them at Bezak, the people of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, by Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have deliverance. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said to the Am- had his issues. He was uh, uh, not always a full follower. His his lineage um, gradually, even even though they were originally part of the whole Abraham thing, um, eventually came to be antagonists of the people of Israel. This Nahash the Ammonite, um, although it's a little bit debated, a lot of people uh, point out that Nahash means snake, and that the Hebrews would have read this as snake the Ammonite. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just interesting when, when they're routed, you know, that this is yet another little, little echo, you know, God's still in the business of dealing with the snake. And uh, just the way the story goes. The other thing is this slicing up the oxen and sending them to all the different territories. If you want a troubling story, um, read Judges 19 and 20. So here's the, here's the capsule version. And it would have been very probably well known to Saul because he was of the tribe of Benjamin. So the story goes that there's this Levite who had a concubine, and apparently the terminology then basically meant a wife that you didn't get a dowry from. So your responsibility maybe wasn't as high as a normal wife. And I know this sounds very strange to the ear, but just go with it. His wife committed adultery and ran off to her family up in the hill country of Benjamin. So this Levite leaves his home to go get her. He finds her at her father's house. He's well received. He's going to leave, take her home. The dad begs him to stay on for a while. Eventually, he's there for a week and is like, I got to go. The night before they're going to go, by this time, the people of the town have shown up. And um, uh, it's one of these things like happened with Lot, where they're like, hey, I know you've got somebody staying with you. Send them out that we may know him. And they didn't mean chat. Strangely, which shows you just how far the nation had fallen away from God, the master of the house sends out a slave girl, or maybe his daughter, maybe it was his daughter, and also the Levite's concubine. Since both these women out, they're gang-raped all night, Apparently, the Levite is so unconcerned, he wakes up in the morning to leave, opens a door, and at his feet is laying this poor woman, essentially left for dead. We don't know 100% if she's dead. He asks her to get up. Again, strange and disturbing story. She doesn't move. He throws her on her donkey, takes her home, slices her up, and sends a part to all the 12 tribes 
in essence saying, this is what the people of Benjamin, this is the result of the people of the tribe of Benjamin, what y'all going to do about it? He rallies up all the other 11 tribes of Israel to come and go up against Benjamin, and there's a civil war. So, you know, uh, they wipe out so many people, there aren't really enough wives to carry on the tribe, and you can read all about it. But anyway, this probably would have led to this concept of the tribe of Benjamin being low on the totem pole. They had some baggage, right? They were tainted by this horrific event. Um, but now in, in like an echo of thing where you're slicing up and sending all this off, um, that probably would have meant a little bit more coming as it was from a Benjamite who had been on the receiving end of all that slicing at one point. Anyway, interesting story. It does go together. All right, we'll wrap up. Verse 12. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? In other words, those detractors, the ones that said, um, uh, How can this man save us? It says, Round up those people. Let's put them to death. Verse 13, Paul says, Not a man shall be put to death to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingdom. So Saul was slow out of the gate, didn't really take care of the issue in his own backyard, but eventually he responded, and now he's got the whole nation behind him. Verse 15, so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. All right, so Israel has a king. Not your typical king. Um, he's fumbling around, um, but every now and then uh, he lets, lets himself be used of God. Comments? Some crazy stuff in the Old Testament, right? All right, let's pray. Father, uh, as we are so many thousands of years away from this, I'm sure we don't fully understand exactly what happened and why, but we know that you had your hand in all this, and we know that um, you continue to have your hand on what's going on, even when we don't understand it today. Uh, Father, we thank you for this account. We pray that you'd... Um, Keep us, um, keep us heading in the right direction as we continue to see how you uh, never forget your people and that you always hear the cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.